Welcome to the Sober Manifesto. My name's Sandra, and I know something you don't know. You cannot manifest the life of your dreams with a hangover or with a foggy mind. Four years ago, I quit drinking for good, and I have completely changed my life. I'm going to talk you through how I did it, the good and the bad. I'm also going to interview people that are going through the same thing. So if you're questioning your relationship with alcohol, you've absolutely come to the right place. Sit back, tune in, and listen to The Sober Manifesto. Hey, hey, lovers, and welcome to episode two of The Sober Manifesto. My name's Sandra, and I'm sober, and I'm happy, and I want you to be too. So I'm just going to talk to you today about what rock bottom was for me. Now, you may think rock bottom may have been when I got my DUI. You may think it was, you know, knowing that I've had so many blackouts that I can't actually remember what I've said and done. But, you know, I was a bit of a slow learner and the rock bottom for me was really an amalgamation of a few different things. It was like the perfect storm. It was coming to the realisation that every single morning when I woke up, the first thing I would think of is, you did it again. What the actual fuck? You did it again. Second thing would be the pain I would feel in my body, in the sides of my body, and I didn't know what that pain was, but I knew it wasn't good and I knew where it came from. It was clearly from drinking alcohol. So I was barreling down towards my next birthday and it was actually around the time of my mother's birthday that I quit. So there was a photograph of my family and I, and I looked so much older than I should have. And I thought, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 50 in a couple of years. This was four years ago. I'm actually 50 next week. But I thought, but when I turn 50, if I actually make it, I'm going to look like I'm 60. Also, so the pain, like I was even sure I was going to make it that far. I felt like I was dying. Like it was, what I was doing was not working. So it was really just a aha moment where it was clearly, you know, what I was doing was not compatible with longevity. So it it was just like a lightning bolt hit me and I thought I have to stop. Now, that same year I had my father over for Christmas and this was kind of like the the nail in the coffin but not in a bad way. This was the thing that sealed alcohol's fate. It was watching and I really wanted to drink on Christmas. Like it, it had only been a couple of months since I quit and I felt like, you know, it was so much pressure. I had my family over for lunch. Everyone else was drinking. And I watched my father and how sick he was at the table. Like he choked on his food. He vomited at the table. He wet himself on the way to the bathroom. And he, he, all of those issues he has is clearly from drinking alcohol. He has alcohol-related dementia. He's in full care and he's not a well man. Now, my father was a bottle of rum, a night drinker. I'm talking drop of Coke, mostly rum in the glass drinker. And alcohol in my family was a normal part of the day. So 5 o'clock was gin and tonic time, the G&T, 5 o'clock. Um, and, you know, we were given alcohol at Christmas time as a treat 
as kids. And I thought it was a problem solver. I thought it was going to make me courageous and funny. So it got to the point when I was in high school that I was taking it to school in my drink bottle. Like, you know, alcohol (laughs) was part of my life for such a long time and it was the crutch, it was the fun, it was, and in the end it was everything. So my rock bottom really is the mixture of me realising at 46 that I'm going to be a 60-year-old at 50 just by looking at the photos and just by the way I felt and watching what actually happens when you're in your 80s and if you've been drinking hard. And you know what? Some people don't even make it that long. My dad's a bit of a uh, enigma really because he – he's outliving a lot of people and we figure he's pickled but you know he's not having quality of life so it's I don't want to be that definitely do not do not want to end up like my dad so that was really where, where the rock bottom came from now your rock bottom might be totally different your rock bottom might be you've woken up in a park with leaves in your hair and you've lost your phone you've lost your wallet you can't remember how you got there and you've had to do the the walk of shame for the 10th time in the last two months and you've just had enough. Now, this week Matthew Perry died, which was just so timely for me really starting this podcast because his – his uh, drug of choice was alcohol and I had been curious about his book, his memoir, um, which was Friends, Lovers and the Big Terrible Thing. But when he died, the soon as I heard, I actually downloaded it and I listened to it. I binged it and he had a serious, serious addiction to alcohol. He also loved it too much to want to quit and he had a lot of money So he was bailing himself out. He spent $7 million on rehab, $7 million. Now, if you've got that sort of coin and you've you've got that fallback in your mind and you think money's going to fix everything, you know, I think my personal opinion of what he was doing was he was living on this thought pattern that, he could pay for his way out of his alcoholism. He could just keep doing what he wanted to do because he loved it and someone would fix it. There would be a cure that would cost so much that he could afford so it didn't really matter. And he didn't have the pure want to quit either until someone told him it was going to kill him, until someone looked him in the eye and said it was going to kill him, then he would stop. And then he'd go to something else, he'd go to pills. And he actually smoked 60 cigarettes a day. He was drinking... A, what they call a quart of vodka a day, which I imagine is like a 750 mil. I don't know if that's accurate, of vodka a day. And he was popping something like 55 uh, painkilling pills a day as well. Look, mate, how did you live as long as you did? It's really, really sad. He had everything going for him, this guy, everything, and he just threw it away, died super young, 54 No, 
and he, he just killed himself. And when I heard, I mean, he wasn't dead, obviously, when the memoirs were, were released, but I am so not surprised that he drowned in his bath. He, he may not have had a drop of anything in his body, but he had burnt it out. So you can do that. If you keep drinking, you will end up living a very short or very unhealthy or very unpleasant existence. So not sure what your rock bottom feels like. You don't have to do – you don't have to be – the guy in the park with the leaves in his hair. And you, what you have to do is work out enough is enough and that's your rock bottom. Move the goalposts. Don't wait for rock bottom to hit you because you might be waiting for that lightning bolt that, you know, where this is the other funny thing too. When I was drinking, I would test people. I would drink so hard and I would want to see people's reaction because all I really wanted – people to say to me like my mother or my husband or my friends is you're drinking too much but no one ever did and I found out later that they were too frightened to tell me what to do because firstly they didn't think I would listen and secondly they thought I'd totally lose my shit so I'm drinking wanting someone to say don't do that and no one's saying anything in fact my mother said to me one time because I'd gone vegetarian that she was worried about my iron levels and she had said this while I was sitting there opening my second bottle of wine. She's worried about my iron levels but not the amount of alcohol I'm drinking. And later that night I just thought, are these people for real? Like seriously, I'm clearly drinking myself to death and part of me was doing it to get a reaction and kill off my demons which is another podcast issue you need to sit down with your demons but no one said anything they were too frightened they didn't think I'd listen they thought I ran my own race and no one got in my way so if this is another thing if you're potentially listening to this podcast and you have someone who's has the problem and you're not the drinker you're the you're the enabler don't be frightened even if that person's a bit of an alpha personality to say well I think you're drinking too much it's funny because only one person's actually come up to me after the fact and said yeah we thought you had we had we thought you had a problem we were worried about you um obviously my I've had the discussion with my immediate family and they're like, yeah, but we didn't want to tell you. But people have said to me, I didn't even see it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you not looked at every single photo on my Facebook page? I had a glass of wine in my hand. That was just just the norm. Like it's almost embarrassing. I feel like going back and like wiping out, getting the background removed and all those photos so that you can't see it. But that's that's – how my life was so my rock bottom isn't that much of a interesting story and I apologize but let's have a look at what other rock bottoms could look like now you can have financial rock bottoms with your drinking so if you're drinking more than you make like if you're drinking and you can't afford it 
You're going to have severe debt and financial hardship due to your drinking. That's a rock bottom. You could lose your job. I was super lucky because I was high functioning and I still managed to get the very minimum amount amount done that I needed to get done to actually look fairly efficient. But, you know, there's a lot of jobs that you can't have alcohol in your system. You could lose your job, lose your license. If, if you're relying on your license for work, then, you know, you're going to put yourself in a position where you could end up on the streets. Like it's, there's not that, it's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to be a homeless person, especially now. So if you don't have a job and just say your landlord puts your rent up or your landlord wants to sell your house and you need to go and find another property quickly, but you've lost your job because of drinking, you can end up on the streets. Like there's a, there's a rock bottom for you right there. The other one is legal rock bottom. You could do something that's against the law. You could get into a fight on the street. You could hit someone. You could kill someone because one punch kills because you're blind drunk and you don't even remember it and you think you're 10 foot tall and you're bulletproof and you go and king hit someone and your life is over, my friend. And there's drink driving. There's killing someone when you're driving your car and you're drink driving. Now, I have the T-shirt. I didn't hurt anybody and I was probably quite capable. And I mean, my father used to tell me we used to drink drive all the time. They didn't even have seatbelts. You know, <laughs> my father, oh, he's going to, if you he ever heard this, he would just kill me. But he used to drink drive this old Valiant when he was working in the mines up north in Mount Isa. And he used to finish work, get really drunk, drive to the airport and fly home and then one of us would pick him up. But the police were always waiting for him every trip out. He was a FIFO. So they'd wait on the side of the road, they'd pick him up and they'd breathalyze him and then they'd take him back to the police station and give him a hiding with a phone book and that stuff does happen. His claim to fame story was that at one time he was so drunk they pulled him over and the machine didn't work. He blew zero. So he said, mate. Give me another go. That machines must be broken. I've been drinking all afternoon. So anyway, it's okay for that generation. But seriously, the, those types of behaviors kill people. And not to mention the fines and the court orders and the treatment and the legal consequences. So there's a, there's a rock bottom for you. Your health rock bottom, suffering from physical and mental health issues. You know what? If you're not getting out of bed, you're depressed, you're having anxiety, you're being hospitalized for alcohol poisoning, you're getting liver disease, you're getting pancreatitis, which is caused by alcohol. It's it's cirrhosis of the pancreas. You can get cirrhosis of the liver. My grandmother died from cirrhosis of the liver. It's alcohol just eats away at your organs basically. And Some of them will fix themselves when you stop drinking and some of them will not. Your brain cells don't come back. I know that firsthand. I'm sure I would be way smarter than I am if I hadn't drunk myself through my teens, 20s, 30s and and a good chunk of my 40s. So consequences. The biggest rock bottom I think is loss of self-respect. It's a deep sense of shame where you can't look at yourself in the mirror. You think everybody's thinking about your alcoholism. You know, you've compromised your personal values and your morals 
to support the addiction. So you're changing your lifestyle around the the drinking and you're not going to respect yourself for that. It makes you feel worthless. It makes you devoid of the person you're really supposed to be. You cannot be your highest and best self. When you're drinking alcohol, you just can't do it. You can't tap into that vibration that you need to tap into when you're drinking alcohol because you dumbed it down. The vibration's no longer there. The buzz is in the booze. The buzz is not in connecting with your higher self. It's just you're on a different trajectory when you're drinking. So what does rock bottom look like for you? Do you need to get there to actually change this? Or have you been there? You looked at rock bottom, you sat there for a while, you kicked it around, got back up and kept going. Like you might, I've, I've probably had 27,000 rock bottoms and just didn't know it at the time. You know, arguing all the time with your partner because you've said something stupid the night before and you can't friggin' remember what it is. I've been there. I've got the T-shirt. You know, I'm a nasty bitch when I'm drinking. So you've just got to work out when enough is enough, really. And, you know, joining support groups like Alcoholics Anonymous, I've I've not done that myself. They're excellent, apparently, but there's a few different theories about quitting alcohol. Now, I am the whole cold turkey, and if somebody else was telling me what to do and I was forced to go and do meetings, I know – I would I'd definitely start drinking again. It has to come from deep within for me. So it was a cold turkey, quit on my own kind of process. So I'm not here to be your AA. I'm just here to tell you my story and hopefully inspire you enough to really think hard about what you're doing with your drinking. And it just seems to me now such a crazy thing to do to put ethanol in your body. And I actually do it, you know, when I go out, people are like, how do you go out? How do you socialize? How do you dance? Exactly the same way I was doing it before, but better. So here's a silver lining for you. When you're not drinking and you're out with people, they look ridiculous. They start to deteriorate. The way they look, their faces kind of melt when they're drinking. So you'll see someone, and I watched this, I went to a a charity ball. It was my first sober black tie event, so we're all dressed up and looking gorgeous. And there was a couple of women at the table, and they started off looking beautiful. But halfway through the night, I was watching them drinking, and their faces kind of were drooping, and their makeup had gone off their faces, and their eyes were puffy and they just changed shape. They literally morphed into something else. And I thought it was fascinating at the time because when you're drinking and you go out and you keep going to the bathroom and touching up your makeup, you think you look fabulous. You don't. And the other thing is people keep saying the same thing over and over again. So now, and they think they're funny. So now when I go out, It's an absolute sport to watch people deteriorate as they're drinking. And that, you know, it gets a bit boring when they keep going over and over the same things. But 
Yeah, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting to watch it. And as far as dancing goes, you know, if you're a bad dancer, you probably shouldn't have been on the dance floor in the first place. But I'm always the first one up at a wedding or if there's a watching a band. I have no issue with that because there's no anxiety anymore. There's no, you know, that you might have less inhibitions when you're drinking, but I can remember because I can dance, right? Oh, <laughs> sounds a bit silly, but I can remember thinking, God, I hope I don't slip over on the dance floor because I'm so out of it. Like that was in the back of my mind. But now I know I'm not going to fall over. I'm going to slip over. I can, yeah, it's just, and you can really enjoy yourself. So you might think that's impossible, but yeah, it, and it won't happen straight away, but it'll, you'll get there. I promise you. Last New Year's Eve, my bestie, who's also not drinking, her and I were sitting at the table and we were drinking non-alcoholic bubbles, just laughing our heads off. And I heard my niece say to my sister-in-law, oh my goodness, mummy, what's wrong with them? And my sister-in-law turned to her and said, oh, they've been drink. Oh, and she stopped herself. She was going to say we, we were drunk. We were not. We were having a good time. And it was just the automatic, you know, if people are having a good time, that was the way it was explained away. We were laughing our heads off. We didn't need to have alcohol to do that. And you'll get past that. You'll get past the whole, oh, how am I going to have a good time? Because you know what? You're not really having a good time when you're drinking. You think you are, but you're just slurring your words, saying the same thing. You think everything's funny. And if you were sober and you stood out of that, it's not. So, yeah, good reason to quit drinking. Anyway, that's episode two. I hope you've got some good takeaways from this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to start an Instagram page for this podcast, just the the Sober Manifesto. So you can find it, you can message me, you can tell me what your challenges are, and I would love to hear from you. So look me up on Instagram, the Sober Manifesto, and also please... Uh, subscribe to this podcast and if you could leave me a rating I know we're only too deep but if you could just uh, leave me a review that would be fantastic because it tricks the algorithm into uh, bumping me up under the mental health and uh, the sober search so that'd be fabulous till next time have a sober fantastic day